Welcome back, fight fans, to episode 102 of the Neutral Corner for Boxing Monthly. I'm Michael Montero. This is the preview segment. And as I mentioned earlier in the week, we're going to preview two weeks worth of fights. It's actually a lot of stuff on the calendar the next couple of weeks. You know, usually around this time of year, close to Thanksgiving, it dies down a little bit. Not this year, man. The schedule's full. And not all of these fights are elite-level matchups. Let's be clear about that. But would you rather have no fights? Or some fights, even if they're not great fights. I'd rather have something going on. So let's get right into it. Thursday, November 16th, Golden Boy has a card on ESPN2. It's also streaming online on ESPN3 uh, with several prospects. And this is from Cancun, Mexico. So you got some fights there coming up on Thursday. Friday, November 17th, got a few small cards going on. Uh, Thompson Boxing, I've talked about them before, worked with those guys before, and I'll be working with them some more in 2018. Stay tuned, more to come. They're doing another card from the Doubletree Hotel in Ontario, California. You can always find those cards streamed on their social media, their Facebook page, their website, their Twitter. So guys, Friday night, check that out. Those cards are always fun. Undefeated Southpaw uh, welterweight prospect Giovanni Santilli. Santillan, who's 22-0 with 12 knockouts, is a San Diego fighter. He will be headlining that card. Also, Friday, November 17th, a PBC card on Fox Sports 1 from Flint, Michigan. Anthony Durrell is the headliner there. And from Sloan, Iowa, it's a Roy Jones promotion from, on uh, BN Sports, B-E-I-N Sports. So a few cards to look forward to Friday. Saturday, November 18th, in Poland, Tomasz Adamek fighting Fred Kasi. 10-rounder. This will be on Polstat. That's the big uh, sports network there in Poland. Adamek, I thought he was going to retire. That's what he said when he got knocked out last year against Eric Molina. Remember last April, Eric Molina, the same guy who just got waxed and taxed by Dominic Brazil, knocked out Alexander, or I'm sorry, Tomasz Adamek last year in Poland, and Adamek announced his retirement after that loss. Yet here he is, about to turn 41. He's lost three of his last five, going up against Fred Cassie, who's 0-4-1 in his last five. This fight is for the vacant Republic of Poland international heavyweight title, whatever the hell that is. In Belfast, Northern Ireland, it is, it is the return of this man, Mr. Carl Frampton going up against Horacio Garcia in a 10-round fight. This is Frampton's first bout back since the loss to Leo Santa Cruz earlier in January. You remember that whole situation with Santa Cruz where he was kind of promised with a handshake and a wink and a smile that there would be a rubber match over in his neck of the woods because he was ever so kind to come to America and fight Santa Cruz not once but twice including the rematch, which honestly, if you really think about it, if Frampton's people were really doing what was best for him, that rematch should have been over in Northern Ireland. That's where it should have been, you know? But he came back to the USA, did a favor for Uncle Al and one of his favorite sons, Leo Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz won big in the rematch, and Frampton was kind of left with his blank in his hand. Right? If I, say the, with his, if I say the word, YouTube will demonetize my video. Yeah, I know. I'm a pussy. I can say pussy, but I can't say the D word. Ugh, ridiculous, YouTube. 
So Leo Santa Cruz and Uncle Al, in a way, kind of screwed him over. Frampton's kind of gone back to square one. He left Cyclone Promotions, signed with Frank Warren. Now he's training with Jamie Moore, who's a former junior middleweight fighter, and he's being managed by Matthew Macklin. So this is kind of an interesting team he's assembled around him. It's going to be interesting to see what they can do with the Carl Frampton brand from here. Uh, Garcia's a tough Mexican fighter. He's fought, obviously, in Mexico, Japan, and the USA. But this will be his first fight in Europe. Never been stopped. Well, he's going to get stopped this Saturday. You'd hope that Carl Frampton can stop him at this point, and that's what I see happening here. Uh, also on this card, a couple of South African fighters, Olani Titi and Siboniso Gonya, fighting for the WBO Bantamweight title, and Filipino fighter Jerwin Ancajas, Ancajas is fighting Jamie Conlin. And for Ancajas, this will be the third defense of his IBF super flyweight title. Uh, his last four bouts have been in the Philippines, Macau, Brisbane, and now Belfast. So that dude has a passport, willing to stamp it. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. For Jamie Conlin, he's the older brother of Michael Conlin, over 100 amateur fights uh, before turning pro. 31-year-old prospect. He's... 31 years old. Ancajas looks older, but he's only 25 years old. And the Filipino fighter is a southpaw, plenty of experience. He should win this fight. Hopefully, uh, there's nothing going on crazy with the scorecards, but I, I actually like Ancajas. I think he could score a stoppage in this fight. I like him big here. Maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I think the Filipino fighter gets it done and defends his title again. In Las Vegas on Bounce TV, it's a PBC card. Julian J. Rock Williams coming to, uh, to Vegas to fight Las Vegas fighter Ishe Smith. This will be Williams' second fight since that KO loss to Charlo last December. He needs to dominate to get the decision, in my opinion. He's fighting an uphill battle. This is a Mayweather Promotions card. I know that Mayweather Promotions used to promote Ishe Smith. I don't know if they're still together contractually or not. I... I I haven't been able to get a straight answer out of anybody with that. But I do know that Smith was with them. I don't, I, I, I'm assuming he still is, but I asked around and haven't got a clear-cut answer. So I don't know. It's a little murky there. For Smith, this is his first fight of 2017. But Las Vegas, born and bred fighter. As far as I know, he's a Mayweather Promotions guy, Mayweather Promotions card. Look, Julian J. Rock Williams and his man, Stephen, Stephen Breadman Edwards, his trainer, They've been on the wrong side of politics before with that Charlo fight last year. They're on the wrong side of politics in this fight, in my opinion. They need to let their fist do the talking for them. And if I'm J-Rock, I'm, I'm starting early and I'm putting a lot of leather on Smith to leave. No doubt so that there's no effery. Can't say the word or YouTube will block me. So that there's no effery. Effery. It rhymes with duckery on the scorecards. All right, Tuesday, November 21st. It's a PBC and Fox Sports 1 card. Devin Alexander. Remember him? Devin Alexander. First fight in over two years. Coming back to fight Walter Castillo. Uh, Alexander has lost three of his last four. Former unified 140-pound titleist, and he briefly held a 147-pound title. A lot of people forget about that. This guy was a pretty accomplished fighter for a while. You know, 140, 147, he was one of the top fighters for a while. 
I'm not sure why he's coming back in such, such a small card like this. Really don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's a money thing and he's looking to try to work his way back into a title shot, which the way Uncle Al and the PBC works with all those welterweights could happen, whether he deserves it or not. You could see this guy maybe in 2018 fighting for a welterweight title. Call me crazy, but could happen. Or if he just wants to get back in the ring and uh, just see some action. You know, sometimes it's hard to say goodbye, man. Also on this card, two of the Russell brothers, Gary Russell Jr.'s brothers, including 2016 American Olympian Gary Antoine Russell, who is the younger brother of Gary Russell Jr. Now, Friday, November 24th in Thailand, it is a minimum weight WBC title fight, the eighth defense for Thai fighter Shayapan, it's either Shayapan or Shayafan Munsri. He's defending his title for the eighth time against the Japanese fighter Tatsuya Fukuhara. Whew, had to be careful with that one. <laughs> Tatsuya Fukuhara. So that's 105 pounders, real little little fighters over there in Thailand. And a lot of the, the fights over in Thailand are with the real little guys. Biggest fight card of the, really of the next couple weeks, Saturday, November 25th. Well, you know what? Before I get to the one at MSG, let's start in Germany. In Germany on November 25th, Manuel Char and Alexander Ustinov fighting for a WBA heavyweight title eliminator. Now, earlier this week, I got on the WBC for some of their effery. Now it's my turn to beat up on the WBA a little bit. Manuel Char, or Manuel Char, or Manuel Char. He was filleted by Vitaly Klitschko back in 2012, and he didn't deserve a title shot then. He was also KO'd by Povetkin in 2014. Majority decision loss to Johan Duapas in 2015. It was KO'd by Marius Bredis, who is a cruiserweight titleist now, but he had a heavyweight fight, KO'd by Bredis. Uh, in an eight-rounder in 2015. What in the holy hell is Manuel Char doing fighting in a heavyweight title eliminator? As for Ustinov, he makes Marius Vok look like Pernell Whitaker. That's how slow that guy is. He's a massive fighter. He's six foot six. He's weighed as much as 300 pounds in some of his fights. So he's got a little bit of big baby in him. Picture a Russian big baby Miller. That's Ustinov. Just not as good. And you know my opinion of Miller. So, yeah. This guy, who's been in the 280-pound range lately, I'll give him that much credit. He stepped up once. and He's fought nobody in his career, but he stepped up once in 2012 against Kubrat Pulev, was thoroughly dominated and KO'd late. These two are the two best fighters the WBA could come up with to fight a title eliminator. Now... The full titleist is Mr. Anthony Joshua. This gentleman, who won the vacant title fighting Vladimir Klitschko, an all-time great heavyweight, earlier this year. Those two were worthy of a vacant WBA title. The best you could do to challenge this man is get Char and Ustinov in the ring together. That's the best you can do, WBA. I smell... Something that rhymes with pole hit, if you know what I mean. Don't want YouTube to block me. I smell BS, WBA. WBA should just change your name to WBS. 
the world bowl blank. All right, the biggest card of the week, the one that matters the most, Madison Square Garden Theater, not the arena, but the theater. Sergei Kovalev going up against Vashislav Shabransky for the vacant WBO light heavyweight title. For Kovalev, coming off his loss to Andre Ward, and of course he had the much uh, disputed loss last November, a fight that I thought he won and most ringside observers thought, but he lost to Ward again in June in the rematch, and there was no doubt about that one. Was not without controversy, obviously, because of some of the tactics from Mr. Ward and the referee allowing that to happen, but be that as it may, Sergey Kovalev mentally and emotionally capitulated in that fight. He actually capitulated before the fight. That fight was over really before it was even signed. Kovalev just wasn't the same guy. And he mentally beat himself before he even went into camp for that fight with Ward. And the aura of invincibility for the Crusher is now gone. I don't know if the Crusher moniker is still worthy of Sergey Kovalev. He's no longer with John David Jackson. He's training with a Russian trainer. Can he get back to the form we saw several years ago when he was a hungrier fighter? I don't know. You know, I've said many times Kovalev is his own worst enemy because of his lone wolf mentality to camp. And as far as I can see, that's continuing. So he's going up against Shabransky, who was KO'd by Sullivan Barrera last December. He is 2-0 with two knockouts so far this year, but against very limited opposition. Shabransky is a tough guy that brings it. He will check Kovalev's chin. He dropped Barrera before getting knocked out to Barrera last year. Even though Barrera had put him down several times, he was able to drop Barrera. So don't get it out of your mind that Shabransky isn't a live dog here and doesn't have a chance. He's got a chance. You have to favor Kovalev. But all things being considered, the lone wolf mentality and everything, Kovalev still has so much more craft and skills and, and athleticism, highly underrated athleticism, that I do think he gets by Shabransky here and gets another title. But how long can this act go on the way he approaches his training? How would he look against Arthur Berbiev, Dmitry Bivol, Alexander Gavajdik? I don't know. I, I don't know, man. Those guys are so young and so hungry. If I'm Sergei Kovalev and he gets this W, I'm calling out Adonis Stevenson. That is still a marketable fight. And if somehow that can be made, that's the biggest money fight for Kovalev. And I think that fight is more winnable for Kovalev than the nail, Gavajdik, or Bevel even. Or may maybe Kovalev could check Bevel's chin, I don't know. Or Better Beev. I think Better Beev would, would really put a whooping on Kovalev right now. So that's where I'm going if I'm Sergey Kovalev and he gets that W and gets that title in this fight, November 25th. Also on this card, Jason Sosa going up against Yuriokas Gamboa in a 10-round, 130-pound fight. For Sosa, he's coming back off his dominant loss to Vasil Lomachenko in April. And for Gamboa, uh, remember, he did lose to Robinson Castellanos in May, but he did come back against Alexis Reyes in August. Got the W, but barely won that fight. That was a close fight. For Gamboa, something I hadn't thought about. But since 2012, he's been fighting like 131, 134 pounds. He's been inactive. 
He hasn't fought at 130 pounds or less since 2012. And this is scheduled, this is supposed to be a 130 pound fight. So can Gamboa comfortably make 130 right now at this stage of his career? I don't know. But all things considered, where Gamboa is in his career right now, and Sosa's style, the way he fights, I actually think this fight is going to be a lot better than people think. I know on paper, you look at this matchup, Jason Sosa, Yoriokas Gamboa, and you kind of go, ugh. But I'm telling you, sometimes it's about levels. It's about where guys are at. And just with the career trajectory of both these fighters, I actually like this matchup. I think it's going to deliver. I think this is going to be a fun fight. Also, Sullivan Barrera, one of my favorite fighters right now. I just I love me some Sullivan Barrera. Going up against Felix Valera in a 10-rounder. Uh, Valera is a Dominican fighter. Only one loss, a decision he dropped to Dimitri Bivol. And he was knocked down twice in that fight. And I think Bivol only had a handful of pro fights at that point. So that's really the only loss on his career. He did go the distance with Bivol, which not many fighters have been able to do. So uh, I think he'll give Barrera some rounds and a good tough fight. Barrera's coming off that win over Joe Smith Jr. in July. He's rated number three by the WBO. Now, as I said just a second ago, Kovalev is fighting for the WBO vacant title. I think Kovalev beats Shabransky. But whether it's Kovalev or Shabransky that wins that fight, let's see Sullivan Barrera fight the winner of that fight next. Yes, I talked about Kovalev calling out Adonis Stevenson. I also think I probably will win the lottery and we'll have peace in the Middle East and Congress will balance the budget before we ever see that fight. So, plan B, call out Adonis Stevenson, yeah. But let's see a fight between who I think will win on this night, Sergey Kovalev, Sullivan Barrera next. I love that matchup, man. That'll be a fun, fun fight if it can happen early 2018. One last fight, Monday, November 27th. A rare Monday night fight. In Moscow, Russia, World of Boxing Promotions is putting on a card or a fight, a card headlined by a vacant WBC international heavyweight title fight, Sergey Kuzmi, who's 11 and 0 with eight knockouts, going up against Amir Mansour. And this is for, again, the vacant WBC international title. This is for a regional minor title for the WBC, but Kuzman is rated number 26 currently by the BC. Mansoor is rated number 19. Neither of them are in the top 15. Thus, neither one of them are in the clean boxing program because only the top 15 rated fighters are in the clean boxing program, right? In each division. Here's my question to the WBC. You don't rate these guys in the top 15. So, they don't have to go in the clean boxing program, but they're about to fight for a minor title. And yeah, it's not a world title, but it's the WBC international title. Shouldn't two guys fighting for your international title be rated in the top 15? I looked at the WBC ratings today. There are a lot of really bad fighters rated in the top 15. These two guys, Make up your mind, BC. Either they're not fighting for an international level title, minor level title yet, and you don't have them in the top 15, or you put them in the top 15, 
and you have them in a clean boxing program before you get them in a fight like this for a minor regional title. Because we all know the way these sanctioning organizations work. When you win the intercontinental title or the Latin American title or the Asia Pacific title, one of those titles, you're generally in the top 10 in that sanctioning organization's ratings, top 15, and you're working your way up to an eventual eliminator type of fight or something like that. You're supposed to be rated near the top if you're fighting for titles like this. Clean boxing program, WBC, you need to clean that stuff up, man. This is an anomaly. I haven't thought, found too many examples like this. But if you got guys fighting for a regional title, they got to be in the top 15. They got to be in the clean boxing program. Just another, just an inconsistency from the WBC with the way they do some of this stuff. Just some things they need to fix, man. They just need to fix this stuff up. I beat up on the WBA earlier in this segment. Now I'm beating back up on the WBC. I'm telling you, between the two, between those two sanctioning bodies, which are the two glamour sanctioning organizations, right? The IBF and the WBO are newer. They came around, I think, in the 90s. And they're the new kids on the block. They're not seen with the prestige of the BC, the BA. The BCBA also a much bigger global footprint. They have all kinds of titles all over the place. If you got guys fighting for minor or regional titles, they need to be in the top 15 so you can have them in the clean boxing program and set the right freaking example. Get it together, WBC. All right, guys, that's it. So, again, I'm going to be back on November 27th. Monday, November 27th, TNC is back. Until then, we will be on a one-week hiatus. That's why I did two weeks' worth of previews in this segment. Don't go nowhere. We'll be back. Plenty of action to come, right? Plenty of stuff to talk about. Like, share, subscribe. I'll see you at the fights.